This is the Taz and Jim Podcast. Pink Floyd featuring Roger Waters, who, according to himself, is far, far more important than both The Weeknd and Drake. (laughs) Roger Waters was a little sore that the Globe and Mail newspaper reviewed The Weeknd show and not his show. Hmm. Now, I do agree he's more important, but if you have to say it yourself, it's not a good look. Takes you down a couple on the important meter, you you feel, Jim? Yeah, yeah, especially when you're getting older. And, you know, Drake, I would say, is more relevant right now based on just pop culture, but who made a bigger impact on music? Probably Pink Floyd than Drake. Yeah, Well, Drake and The Weeknd still have a big chunk of their careers to go, so who knows how important they'll be when they're in their 70s, like Roger is. I would love to see them still on stage. Drake (laughs) still trying to be a stud. (laughs) Drake is uh, facing some more controversy here. He's been flying his private jet from Toronto to Hamilton. And people are saying it is a big waste of fuel. It's a big waste of uh, of time, and it counteracts people's uh, efforts to limit their carbon di- dioxide emissions. So one flight can undo the effort of hundreds of thousands of people, and you have to ask yourself, is the convenience of it really worth it? Yeah, I mean... If I, I, if I was Drake, I'd be doing the same thing. I would be using my private jet for anything. And there's a million private jets in the sky at any given time. So, I mean, is one other private jet really going to save the planet? There's a Twitter account called Celeb Jets. tracks celebrity flights. And they've been noticing that Drake has been flying from Toronto to Hamilton. It would be tough if you had your own Boeing 767, which Drake does have, Paid close to $200 million for it. Be tough to leave it sitting on the tarmac and not take it out for a joyride every now and then. Yeah, you got to get your money's worth. And if I could, dude, if I could take a jet to Scarborough instead of driving, I would every time. Yeah, you know what the the traffic's like. Yeah. As long as as Drake isn't out here talking about the environment, being like, we got to save the planet. I mean, it's not a good thing, but at least he's not a hypocrite. Is he saying that stuff? I haven't heard him, so but if he starts, he then can't. I'll throw it in his now, face. Now yeah. he can't. Yeah. Unless unless Drizzy Air starts taking some commuters. Every time he, he takes off in that jet, he has to grab like ten people who Like a carpool lane. He needs to start carpooling <laughs> <laughs> on his private jet. Every little bit helps. From Hamilton to Toronto, and then we'll forgive him. This is the Taz and Jim Podcast. If you listen to the show, you know Jim plays in a rec uh, soccer league. He's on a team called Great Wall FC. He's the only non-Chinese Canadian on the team. And we took that as an opportunity to learn some Mandarin over the summer because his teammates, they're speaking Mandarin in the huddles. They're sending uh, messages to the team, a lot of Mandarin. So Jim is, is picking some stuff up and passing the knowledge on to us. Jim... Uh, what are we learning about this? First of all, did you guys win yesterday? No, no, we lost 3-2. Sorry I brought it up. I know, I know. Man, it was a tough loss too. It was one of, like it's Sunday mornings at 9, so sometimes you won't have many subs. The opposite team showed up. They had like 8 guys and there's 11 people on the field. 
So I was like, this is going to be an easy win. We're up one nothing. We ended up losing 3-2. At halftime, I gave the goalie, who was their goalie, who was playing in jeans and had no goalie gloves. I was like, we're obviously going to win this game. So here, here's an extra pair of goalie gloves. That's I went over to the team and gave it to them. They ended up beating us. I never should have given the guy the goalie gloves. Lesson learned. I know. So uh, nice guys finish last. So never help the opposite team. <laughs> never give them equipment. Was he wearing like full-length jeans or yeah. jean shorts? I don't know if he's like, he probably wasn't regularly on the team. He's probably just like a friend of a friend and he was like a tall guy. And they're like, we need somebody to go on net. Get your best jeans out. <laughs> oh, so that was, it was a tough loss. I'll tell you that it was a real. It sounds like it. Yeah, it was a real character defeat. But we had fun after the game, as we always do. Okay, here we are. Great Wall FC. Tough loss, three two. We battled hard. It didn't go our way. I'm with Fu Shang here. Fu, you got a lot of energy out there. What do you eat before a game? What's your strategy? Oh, actually today we have a story. I, I saved the lemonade from last night and I had a pretty <laughs> bad diarrhea at a, uh, at a washroom in a, a right next to the pitch. Okay, so, so don't have lemonade before don't the game. Don't have lemonade. I don't know what to get, but like, I don't know what to eat, but like definitely don't drink lemonade before the game. Okay, you know what I like to drink after a <laughs> game a nice cold beer so how do you say let's get a beer let's go for a beer i want a beer in mandarin uh yeah uh it's wait let's make it easy just say drink beer whoa your pronunciation is perfect not lemonade. Not lemonade. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Foo. <laughs> Foo out of poo. <laughs> but yeah, that's why you don't eat lemons before a soccer game. You eat orange slices. So, you know, different type of citrus. Avoid the lemons. Stick to the oranges. This is the Taz and Jim Podcast. I Mother Earth performed Friday night with Sloan in Lucan, Ontario at Lucan Bidolf Summerfest. That was a fun time. Jim and I went out there with a couple of, uh, of other guys and, and uh, the sunshine, the sun setting over the field there behind us. Yeah, it was like orange and pink. It was a beautiful view. It was great. and Because we were in a baseball diamond, which was just a fun novelty. Something special about drinking on a baseball diamond, especially, and this is going to make any of you big city folks jealous, $5 beers, $5 coolers at the Lions Club beer tent. Hard to believe. Right. You go to uh, see a show and you're getting a beer for less than 10 bucks. You're usually mm-hmm. pretty excited. But 5 bucks, Incredible deal. For the people of Lucan. You were uh, chatting it up with a couple folks. Any shout-outs you want to give anyone, Jim? Oh, boy. Can't remember any of their names. <laughs> no, I, thanks for putting me on the spot. No, I saw my I saw Billy Hawking from Mitchell, who was there. Good to see you, Billy. Who else did I see? I think that was about it. Saw some Met, met some people from uh, Port, uh, sorry, uh, Turkey Point and Ridgetown. Like, people came from all over to go to this show. Yeah. Want to say hi to Stan. He didn't need to go far. He lived two blocks away 
from the Ball Diamond where they had the concert. Uh, Stan said he grew up listening to uh, our show. He's a big fan of Taz and Jim, and I actually gave him a shout-out when we were introducing Sloan. Oh, yeah. But he had disappeared, and then I, I made the joke. I said, I guess he's in one of the porta-potties right now having a crunch. And sure enough, we see one of the doors of the porta potties <laughs> fly open and stands in there. He's like, yeah! yeah. Waving his arms, that's me! <laughs> okay, close the door, stand, finish up, we'll chat later. <laughs> uh, we did uh, create a bit of a controversy out there in Lucan, though. We did. I, Mother Earth, and Sloan performing, people really wanted to review the uh, the concert with a hammered concert review. Now, when we said we weren't planning on doing any, uh, we actually had trouble getting out of there. So, begrudgingly, we present this. <laughs> it's time for another Hammer Concert Review. Okay, Sloan is still on stage. I'm Mother Earth and Sloan and Luke and Bidolf at Summerfest. Uh, we've got a gentleman here. What's your name? My name's Mitch. Mitch, uh, you're a little uh, little upset with us. What's going no, on? I'm not happy about it. You know, I think that we could have had I'm on the Earth on after. They're putting everybody to bed right now. The bull. I I should have sworn. You're not a Sloan fan. No, no, no. no. Okay. Uh, but you're you're upset with Jim and I. Why? Because you're not doing interviews tonight. No hammered concert reviews. No hammered concert reviews. And you know what? I feel like. You get way better results out of the people in Lucan than the people, the people, you know? <laughs> Everybody yeah. else you've done like interviews with, anybody else. Like, they, know how, to, they know, know how to drink in Lucan better that's than That's what I'm place. saying, right? You listen to Mitch and the boys, that's what it's all about, drinking in Lucan, right? You weren't even going to drink tonight until you I found out gonna, Taz and Jim were coming. And then I found out I was going to get my 15 minutes of fame, and then, you know what happened was... I was told I wasn't going to get it. Broke my heart. Hammer Concert Review. There you go, Mitch. You got it. (laughs) This is the Taz and Jim Podcast. Jim, you went and saw a movie on the weekend. I'm a little disappointed to hear this because the reviews were fantastic, but you're saying that uh, Jordan Peele's Nope didn't blow you away. The reviews weren't fantastic. They were around 70% from the audience, which is the only thing I, I judge now. 70% on Rotten Tomatoes. I think it was, I think it was around the same audience and critics, no, which is I always a up. good sign. It was 80, 81 from the critics, 71 from the audience, and I'm siding with the audience here. I give it a 6.5. I think the problem is, I thought Get Out was amazing. Yeah. And it, like the plot, it wrapped up nicely at the end. It made total sense. It was a really well directed, easy to follow, good thriller movie. Get uh, the fo- the follow up by Jordan Peele, Us, had a lot of potential. It was great too. The, the The concept was interesting, but by the time you got like halfway through it, you start realizing the plot doesn't really make sense. And then you get to the end of the movie, and you're like, I liked some of it, but that was kind of convoluted. And what was that doing there? It's the same way I felt about this new movie, Nope. It was like there was some really great scenes in it, but all added together, it kind of didn't really make sense as so a total package. So in the package. moment, you're like, wow, this is great, and then when you think about it afterwards, you're like, hold on a second. Yeah. Like, it was good. It was so well-directed. The cinematography was fantastic, but, you know, I think the problem is now it's being advertised as from the mind of Jordan Peele. It's like he's lost in his own brain a little bit, like trying to be a too... 
um, I don't know, try to trick people or, you know, I forget what the word is, uh, but like you like think it's going this Shyamalan. way and it goes this way. The, the word try is Shyamalan. Shyamalan. Yes. But it's I'd this- say Shyamalan was more consistent. Shyamalan kind of lost it too. M. Night Shyamalan, Sixth Sense, blew everyone's minds. Yeah, yeah. And then, Unbreakable, great. Uh, Unbreakable was good. I thought it was great. And I even liked The Village. What about Signs? Signs was okay. The signs reminded one? me of Nope, honestly. It was like there were some good scenes in Signs that kind of scary, but then all together you're like, I don't know if I really liked it. Why would the aliens come to a planet that is made up mostly of water if water kills them? That's like you moving to a tomato planet. It's like me moving to Leamington. <laughs> when you're allergic to tomatoes. Yes. But like, I mean, it was good. Like, I, I believe in Jordan Peele. I think he's a talented guy. It's just the somebody needs to like rein in the plots a little bit or edit it down or something. I don't know. I, I, you may enjoy it, but but for me, I, I give it a okay. six and a half. Well, this could be better because sometimes you get too much hype and you need someone to bring the bar back down and then you go see it. You're like, oh, Jim said it wasn't that great. I True. thought it was awesome. More power to you if you do. But I think like if he doesn't nail the next one. Yeah, yeah, He's I got know. one more chance. He's got one more chance with me. This is the Taz and Jim Podcast. I want to give you a little warning here, a bit, bit of a sensitive subject we're about to discuss. If you've got the uh, youngsters in the car, you may want to turn it down or get ready to explain this to them. <laughs> Masturbation in outer space. Whoa, okay. Sorry. Masturbation in space! Space! space. <laughs> you may have seen headlines over the weekend uh, saying that uh, NASA scientists don't recommend men pleasure themselves in outer space because it could cause problems for female astronauts. Hmm? Well, y- you've heard the old excuse, the hot tub excuse. <laughs> It's like, oh, honey, uh, yeah, I don't know how I got pregnant. I, I did go in the hot tub. Who knows what was in there? <laughs> <laughs> that is, there's an article I'm looking at here. It says, uh, NASA scientists says that if men pleasure themselves in space, then it could be risky for female astronauts because just one session by a man could impregnate up to three female astronauts. Hold up, hold up, though, hold up, hold up. Because it gets everywhere. No, no, no. So so you're not using a tube sock, a towel, it's just let it fly free, and like like Homer Simpson when he opens the bag of chips on the the, the space station. That's... Your DNA flying everywhere. That, that is what this article says. Now, here is the truth of the matter. This was misinterpreted from Conan O'Brien's podcast. So Conan does a podcast. He has guests on, sometimes celebrities, sometimes uh, regular people, uh, listeners. He'll have them on if they have interesting jobs. And he had this, uh, this NASA scientist on the podcast and let me play the clip here. Does porn work in zero gravity? <laughs> Does it? Wouldn't there be like some problems? Never before. We're someone to be watching space porn up on the space station. What are the, how does that well, work? Three female astronauts can be impregnated by the same man <laughs> on the same session. Smith, why did you take us down this road? <laughs> Smith. I blame I, you. I, yeah. I fully blame Sona. <laughs> 
They were joking. Yeah, yeah. It but was that, a joke. But was the NASA guy joking? The NASA guy was joking. Okay, okay. It was a joke. So okay. if you are listening to this uh, this show on the International Space Station, do your thing. Are you brave enough to let me see your peacock? Ooh, look who's back from a little R&R up at the cottage. It's Devin Peacock, our sports guy. Hey, Dev. Hey, how's it going? Good. Did you watch the Blue Jays game on Friday night? Uh, what was the final score? 28-5 over the Boston Red Sox. 28-5. I was hoping they were going to get to 30 or even 31 and set the modern day record. 30 is the record. So they came close. Uh, they didn't quite get it done. I was a little disappointed in the Blue Jays on Friday. I thought they were better than that. <laughs> it is a franchise record though, right? It is a franchise record. I mean, uh, they could do nothing wrong. Uh, hitting an inside-the-park Grand Slam to start a series is a fantastic way to start a series. I said it on Twitter the last time uh, the Blue Jays did that. They've done that before. They've done it in Boston before. Junior Felix, June 2nd, 1989. Any word on why Boston was playing so poorly? We thought for sure they had a night out before. They didn't get any sleep because they were just playing like idiots. They were playing terrible. I mean, Alex Cora was saying after uh, they lost again yesterday that their brand of baseball was playing awful. So, I mean, <laughs> everything has just gone bad for the Red Sox this year. This was Hall of Fame induction weekend, so David Ortiz went into the Hall of Fame. That was the highlight of the weekend if you're a Red Sox fan. Red Sox fans have been checked out on this team, and there's a lot of questions about ownership right now kind of focused maybe on the end. NBA, not Major League Baseball, because they want a team in Vegas with LeBron James and Raphael Devers. Some other big names on the Red Sox might leave the team. And so it seems as though ownership has taken their eye off the ball and the product on the field has suffered as a result. 28 to 5, an insane run differential. Should there be some sort of mercy rule in Major League Baseball, whether it's written or unwritten? I coach kids baseball. We do have a real mercy rule, but that's the only place there should be a mercy rule. So in, in our baseball, if you get up to 15 runs at a certain point, then the game is called. For Major League Baseball, the run differential does matter, and so you need to keep going because that's one of the tiebreakers if you, if it gets down to that at the end of the season. So it's it sucks if you're the team that's losing 28-5, to five, but the answer is don't lose 28 to 5 i mean <laughs> that's, also, that's I guess, and imagine you paid 150 dollars for some great tickets to the ball game and then they call it after five innings because of the mercy rule <laughs> depending well, on which team you're cheering for it might be sweet relief though well there was one guy i saw on friday still proposed to his girlfriend on friday and she said yes so uh, i mean you got to make the most of the situation so someone for in boston scored they were Red Sox fans, I'm assuming, right? They were Red Sox fans, yes. Oh, boy. That's one ring that will be given out in Boston this year. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Dev. This is the Taz and Jim Podcast. Rage Against the Machine have been out spreading their heavy rock across North America with some stops in the Taz and Jim listening area. Last week on Tuesday... Hamilton, First Ontario Center. Jim was at the show. You said it was one of the best concerts you've ever seen. Mm -hmm. Crowd was incredible. The Hamilton uh, rock and roll fans, they know how to do it up. 100%. 100%. Everybody that's seen the show that I've talked to said it's 
at least in their top 10 greatest shows of all time. And we were speculating, would the crowd in Toronto live up to Hamilton's hype? Would they be able to rock as hard as the hammer? Well, uh, Saturday night show, they did Thursday and Saturday. Saturday night show at Scotiabank Arena (laughs) went a little sideways. What exactly went down? It was the last song, Killing in the Name. That's the, the, what they've ended every show on the tour with so far. Gets them going pretty good, that one. Guy, guy in a red sweater hops up over the barricade side stage to stage right, I guess you would say. He runs on stage. He runs uh, like on the, on the staircase behind Tom Morello, goes out to the front to try to like raise his arms in victory. A big old security guard comes from behind. Shoulders, like shoulder hits the guy like a football hit off the stage. But as he follows through with the hit, he also hits Tom Morello. And Tom Morello falls just barely off the stage. Like he like, his knee hits this end of the stage and he slowly falls off onto some speakers down there and this is what it sounded like so that security's reaching down they're pulling tom back on stage tom morello stands back up And then I believe they restarted the song and gave them one more. <laughs> Did you notice that Tom Morello got hit basically right at the, Ugh. I guess so, yeah, maybe. The timing was perfect. Oh! <laughs> like the wind was knocked out of him. <laughs> the guy, like the fan in the red sweater must have got the wind knocked out of him because he got pushed off and then he kind of like landed on a barricade and then he tried to hop back into the mosh pit like to try to escape and the security, I think, grabbed, grabbed him and kept him. Security guards are not taking any guff nowadays when it comes to jumping on stage. It's, it's uh, increasingly uh, frowned upon. It always has been, but yeah, now especially. There's, there's like linebackers waiting for you. Just <laughs> Some of them a little too keen because that's how Tom got. But like, thank God he landed on some equipment and not the full five-foot drop or six-foot drop because, I mean, Zach already broke his leg just jumping yeah. off an amp. The whole man's going <laughs> to be lying at the front of the stage yeah. by the end of this tour. This is the Taz and Jim Podcast. And there's another big rock and roll group that will be calling Las Vegas home for a while. You too. Hmm. Ireland is going to be invading Sin City in 2023. U2 taking up a multi-day residency in Las Vegas next year. Hmm. Seems to be the uh, the way to go as your your band's getting up there in years. Uh, yeah. I mean, stop carting around that massive stage. Remember they did the 360-degree tour, and they had, like, the most incredible big setup ever? Yeah. N- enough. Enough with the with the trucks and the roadies. Do it in one spot and get everybody to fly to you. And what a spot. This is a uh, $1.8 billion arena that's opening up in Vegas, the Madison Square Garden Sphere at the Venetian. The uh, that's a confusing name for a place in Vegas. Hold on, (laughs) it's not New York. Sphere Square. Is it a square or a sphere? Madison Square Garden Sphere at the Venetian will be the latest state-of-the-art mega venue to grace Las Vegas. It's been described as the next generation of live entertainment, offering fans a multi-sensory experience of sound and light. 
inside the largest spherical structure ever created. <laughs> okay, so I'm picturing picturing Ontario Place, but bigger. Uh huh. You know, yeah, and multi sensory. Like, is there a, a little hand that comes up and gives you a tickle during the show? Or? <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> Let's stick to sound and lights for now. <laughs> sound, lights, smell. <laughs> what else we got? Hmm. Touch. Is there some vibration? I don't know. Seeing dead people. Don't mm-hmm. forget about the sixth <laughs> sense. Uh, so they they'd been looking for a, a big mega group, and there'd been rumors about who it was that was going to be the first to play at the Madison Square Garden Sphere at the Venetian. Uh, Rolling Stones had been mentioned. And I guess, you know, when you're thinking of of bands in that league, uh, U2 would be up there as well. So Mm -hmm. the band has not commented on exactly what the show will be. But if you're a U2 fan, next year, 2023, you too performing in Las Vegas. This is the Taz and Jim podcast. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.